On this episode of the podcast, Westover tells us a tale of the franchise who'd already made one of the worst mistakes in NHL history, and how they did it a second time. Ooh, doubling down. Mm, I always double down on bad decisions. And, honestly, in the next light year, we could see them do it a third time. Let's hope. Third time's a charm. I love the drama of that. But for now, recline that sofa and loosen that tie, because this is mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Feasy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are going to be discussing some NHL history. Everybody's favorite. Everybody loves hockey. Yeah. Actually. Hockey. Everybody. The Seattle Kraken are coming. We're big fans. The Kraken. <gasps> Release the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but for real, a warning to any and all Edmonton Oilers fans. <laughs> Which I'm sure we have many listeners out yeah. there who are... Oilers fans. As a, having a largely American uh, <laughs> listening. So far. Yeah. We haven't broken into Canada. Oh, yet. we haven't broken Canada. Well, first we break Mexico. Then ah, we break into Canada. Sense. There's an order to these things. <laughs> Before you Oiler fans, if you're out there, you may want to cover your ears. Or go back to praying Connor McDavid doesn't force his way out as the superstars before him have. <laughs> See, the precedent has been set. <laughs> yeah. And he... Does not sound happy. If only you guys had superstars wanting to force their way in. But it's Edmonton. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, for now, we're talking about the sad side of that coin. Yeah. I got this one this week. So, we are talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers. And one of the worst decisions their GM has ever made. We all know that... Training Wayne Gretzky was the biggest mistake they made. Biggest mistake anybody can make in hockey. Honestly, yes. I mean, they won a title. They, they won, won a, one. Yeah, but they still won one. They won and... one. <laughs> I mean, they probably could have won more. But the biggest that... mistake anyone can make, they still won. Just one. Just one. I mean, there's a reason we haven't talked about the Gretzky trade yet. Because both sides kind of won and kind of lost. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the continued fallout from the Gretzky trade and what <gasps> happened afterwards. We are no. talking about the Gretzky <laughs> trade. You've brought this on yourself. This trade happens basically because of the Gretzky trade. Oh, well, basically. Well, the precedent the precedent is set with Gretzky. I only deal with technicalities. But if their current GM, Kevin Holland, doesn't play his cards right, he'll res- be responsible for potentially losing McDavid, who could surpass as the second worst trade in their franchise history. Passing this one. Wolf. Noise. Tell me about it. Bring me there. All right. Our story takes us back to 1991, before any of the three of us were out there. The Oilers had just wrapped up their winning their fifth Stanley Cup Proud since of them. 1984. The great one had been traded away three years prior, but the Oilers roster was still strong and talented, led by their newly minted captain, Mark Messier. Unfortunately for the Oilers and their GM, Glenn Sather, the Oilers were st- still struggling financially and couldn't afford to keep their stars, just like it was in 88 
when the team had to trade away Gretzky. It was time to make another sacrifice. Who's on the chopping block this time? Before we get to that choice, oh, make the it 91. <laughs> Let's set a, back, set a little background with some info on our boy Glenn Sather, the GM of the Oilers. Glenn played for the Oilers while they were part of the good old WHA and our buddy Dennis Murphy. Ooh, yes. we love the WHA. Then at the end of the 76-77 season, Sather became a player coach for the final 18 games of the season. We love a player coach. We do. In his first game as player coach, they would get a win with Sather scoring a goal one minute into the game. <laughs> nice. For me and coach. Oh, oh right. Got okay. I drew up the perfect play for, for me. me. At the end of the season, he would retire as a player but retain the role of head coach, fully going into management. <laughs> Becoming full coach. Full coach. He's too powerful. <laughs> then, when the Oilers joined the NHL in 79... They'd make the playoffs their first year, and at the end of it, Sather would be promoted to president and general manager. Sather would also name a new head coach, but after a slow start to the season, he would demote him and take over position as head coach and GM of the Oilers yes, organization. Yes, love it. Yes, he that is, is the... Senator Palpatine becoming Emperor Palpatine. the Senate. This is the way. I am the Oilers. <laughs> I yeah. am Edmonton. Oh, the whole city. Mm-hmm. That's the That's goal. impressive. And he actually became mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Sather would win the Jack Adams Award, which is Coach of the Year, after the 85-86 season. And he'd be responsible for building the Oilers team that won those four cups with Gretzky and the fifth one captained by Messier. The problem with running a dynasty is that to maintain dominance, you either need to have a constant flow of talent coming in from your minor league system to replace talent that leaves in free agency, or have enough money to keep your main core of superstars. Mm-hmm. While the Oilers were a dominant team throughout the 80s, financially they struggled, and when it came time to pay people, the money wasn't there. Sather was a, Sather was a fine coach, but when it came to drafting for the Oilers, they were always drafting in the late picks in the rounds due to sure. their good yeah. records. Being good at that. Being hockey. good. But a poor scouting department led to their minor league system becoming pretty bad. Oh. And... Uh, He'd be say there would be really good at fixing holes with trades and just basically just burning down the minor leagues uh, and their farm system yeah. just to maintain the their the Oilers team. Burn the future, win now. Yes, he lived by that. Out of the seventeen players he drafted in the first round between eighty two and two thousand, only two of them, Jeff Bukeboom in eighty three and Jason Arnett. In '93, were what successful. Was that first name? Uh, Jeff. Yeah, right after that. Biukboom. That's a great name. It's a good hockey name. Biukboom. Biukboom. Only those two were successful players in their time for the Oilers. Good job, guys. Two That's out of seventeen. A pretty horrible hit rate. Yep. Some Man's might hot. say it's a miss rate. So missed. <laughs> That's our boy Glenn. And now we get to the player involved, Mark Messier. Messier began his career, professional career, at 15, playing for the Alberta Junior Hockey League, playing for his father and the Spruce Grove Mets. Spruce Grove. Before we go any farther, is it Messier or is it Messier? I think it's Messier. It could be Messier. Because it's probably Messier. I would bet a lot of money. Not knowing, yeah, I bet yeah, a lot of money it's Messier. 100 like Messier. Messier. Cool, cool, cool. So but I didn't Messier. want to say anything because I just wanted to watch West of a Bird. Yeah, you but we, I've been the watching comments. the fire for a while now. And then it gets to an awkward point where you're like, 
Uh, there are game. kids in the fu- in the building. Under control. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people will die. If we, we need don't help. Step in there. <laughs> All but, right. So, so yeah, Mess Mark Messier. 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 He he played for his dad in the Spruce Grove Mets. His dad was the coach. His dad actually didn't expect him to make the team, but the general manager still added him to the roster. <laughs> nice. Uh, after a year, they'd move to St. Albert, and in Messier's uh, second year on the team, he'd be named captain at 16, where he'd score 74 points in 54 games. Wow. That's pretty good. That's Maybe everybody else was really bad. Why did his dad think he wouldn't make the team? Because he was 15 and a kid. His dad was also a professional hockey okay, player. Okay, so what years. didn't have anything to do with talent. No, I mean, no. his dad just had impossible standards. You oh, know? His dad had high standards. <laughs> As dads do. Uh, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Before the 78-79 season, Messier was already looking for a new league to play in because he believed he already surpassed the AJHL. That's probably fair. <laughs> has four initials. <laughs> I've grown too powerful. <laughs> he didn't want to play for the WHL and was looking at the WHA and the Indianapolis Racers who were looking to replace a young player they had just traded away. Gretzky. Yes, it was Gretzky. Uh, His dad would get him... His dad knew the head coach of the racers. Of course. Hockey's a tight-knit community. His dad was able to get him a five-game amateur contract. (laughs) His dad was able to get him a five-year contract. (laughs) Just because he knew a guy. (laughs) Which basically means if it didn't work out, He'd be able to return to junior hockey, and there'd be no like repercussions. Well, or it's like a ten-day contract. Yeah. The NBA, yeah, yeah, but five days and hockey. Well, five games. <gasps> yeah, five. Not days. even how, many, not how days. many days it could take. It could take five years. It's like you get a game here and a game next year. <laughs> Just always, you're always on call. We pick the games, have him on retainer for his whole career. Yep. Only bring him out for playoff games. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be offered a long-term contract by the Racers, but. Mark decided to hold out due to concerns about the team's longevity, which worked out pretty well as the team would fold that December. <laughs> the only paycheck he got from that team would bounce. Yeah, that makes sense. That's amazing. The Cincinnati Stingers would offer Messier a $35,000 contract to play out the rest of the 78-79 season. And as we know from our last hockey episode, 78-79 is the last season that the WHA would exist. R.I.P. The Stingers were not one of the teams that were allowed to join the NHL in the merger. And they ended up joining the Minor Central Hockey League. Gross. That's pretty disgusting. Yeah. Players were dispersed to teams who had their NHL rights, or if they were under 20, like Messier, who was like 17 at the time, they could join the 79 NHL draft. So he was selected in the third round, 48th overall to the Edmonton Oilers. Wow. Yeah. At first, he tried to hold out for a larger contract because he was originally offered like a four-year two-way contract or a like one-year twenty-thousand-dollar contract with like some bonuses. Sure. He he tried to hold out for more, and he eventually just took the four-way deal, four-year deal. Oh, okay, cool. Smart kid. Oh yeah, there comes well, a certain point that holding out. That's just true. Doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't work. It just, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't make sense. You know, you can't hold out forever. Nope. He did have some discipline issues because he was known. He became known as a fierce competitor whose intense leadership would just become as important as his goals scored. He only had one fifty goal season in his career, but he'd post five hundred point seasons while part of the Oilers. Dang. He, central. he was an all-around, like, captain's 
kind of player. He was a team builder. Do a little bit of this, a little, little bit, bit of that, a little bit of this, a, a lot of bit of that, a lot of bit of that. In 84, Messier would switch from left wing to center in the middle of the postseason and then begin a breakout and score a goal that would spark a comeback against the back-to-back-to-back-to-back defending champion Islanders. They'd won four straight, which is nuts. That's pretty neat, yeah. Mm. Uh, Messier would help the Oilers win their first Stanley Cup and uh, win the Conn Smythe Trophy, which is MVP for the postseason. Alistair Smythe. (laughs) He'd go on to win four more cups with the Oilers, captaining them to their only victory after Gretzky was traded away. Good job, buddy. Well done. He'd win the Hart Memorial Trophy for MVP, beating out Bruins' Ray Bork by two votes, (laughs) which is still the closest margin uh, that the award's been uh, given out in its history. That might be the closest margin of any MVP. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Two votes? Unanimous. It it can only get one vote closer than that. (laughs) That's (laughs) Unfortunately, around this time, this is when things would begin to sour between Messier and the Oilers. Mm. In the summer of 1990, after uh, they win their fifth Stanley Cup and he wins the MVP award, Messier and his agent, his dad, would attempt to get Ah. his contract uh, restructured more suitable to his status as captain and star. Because he was only making like $1.25 a year. Yeah, that's not a lot at all. Which, I mean, in hockey money... It's well, not yeah. a lot across the board, but yeah. But if you look at it like when we were talking about the NHL free agency in its inception, like the star players of the league were making like two and a half. Yep. Like, no. so him making half of that, yeah, As, need, yeah. you know, the yeah. MVP of a you know Stanley Cup champion team. Yeah, he not needs more. Good. He needs more. And so when contract negotiations fell through, he began to openly voice concerns with how the team was spending its money and like the choices to let his teammate Adam Graves leave in free agency. During the Canada Cup tournament, Messier would publicly make a statement that he wanted to trade out of Edmonton if they weren't willing to do what was necessary to keep important players to a winning team. So, on a... Yeah. No, no, he's (laughs) just calling him out. Seems like a reasonable demand. Yeah. He's like, guys, you have some money. Please. I can't throw and catch. (laughs) Yeah. Can't. Well, you can play offense and defense in hockey. That's that's the whole... That's the saying, Wes. That's the saying. The Tomicus Bredicus, chapter 7, verse (sighs) 4. The holy text. Oh, no, I miss a great opportunity for a 28-3. to uh, Damn it. You'll get him next time. I'll get him next time. Unlike the Falcons. Ooh, <laughs> but go Hawks. <laughs> well, they're trying. So, on October 4th, 1991, in one of another many cost-cutting moves, Glenn Sather traded Mark Messier to the New York Rangers. The trade went as follows. Messier and what was called future considerations would go to New York. Future things. We'll, we'll hit you back and give them well, We'll figure the rest part out. The Oilers would get veteran sniper Bernie Nichols and prospects Louis DeBrusque and Stephen Rice. The future considerations would turn into a swap of defenseman David Shaw for Jeff Bukaboom. Buke da boom. Bring it around Buke. town. Bukeboom. Now, going back to our rundown of Sather's drafting ability, that's one of his only successful picks he's mm-hmm. ever had. Sure. Traded him away. 
Well, someone's got to. Well, yeah, they all leave eventually. <laughs> yeah. Either it's in a trade or in a box. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. One of the two. Starting with the Oilers and their returns for Messier and Pogba. Uh, Bernie Nichols was a star while playing for the Kings. He was actually like a big name talent that was being acquired to, for the Oilers. Good job. He'd only been traded to the Rangers the year before that. I thought you were going to say he'd only been traded two times. So <laughs> yeah. Certainly, there's so no underlying issues. No, he's doing great out there. <laughs> With the Kings, he had a 70 goal, 80 assist, 150 point season before being acquired by the Rangers. And as a Ranger, he would only play 104 games and score 37 goals with 73 assists, which still, it's 110 points in 104 games. Still, still good. Very good. But Nichols would not reach that level of scoring that he'd had for the rest of his career after going to Edmonton. That is often how it goes with these things. Oh, yes. While Rice and DeBrusque were top prospects in the Rangers organization, Rice would never, I hate how they word it, realize his potential. Mm -hmm. Because he would only score 19 goals in the next three seasons with the Oilers before being traded away. Yeah. DeBrusque would have a decent 11-year career as an enforcer kind of defenseman for four different teams. His son, Jake, currently plays for the Bruins. Good job, Jake. Yeah. Davis Shaw was a solid veteran defenseman who would be traded away to the Wild later that year. And then he got traded in, like, January. So, like, he was there for about a month. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, he had appeared in 12 games for the Oilers. So, the Oilers got an aging veteran... And some prospects that didn't really turn out for to join this already struggling Oilers team. The Rangers, on the other hand, acquired a player who'd made a specific request to come to the Rangers. Messier wanted to go be a New York Ranger, even though they were a struggling franchise, not having won a Stanley Cup in 54 years. The last time they'd won a cup when Messier joined the Rangers was back when there were six teams in the league, when they were the original six. So why did he want to join the It's Rangers? New York. Yes. Why does anyone join? The, exactly. Like, why does anyone join the Knicks or the Nets? It's the New York market. He's coming from Edmonton, which, uh-huh. I mean. Population. I don't four, know, but it's not billion. New York. Yeah, it's not New York. It looks like a sheep farm. <laughs> he arrived in New York with confidence and appreciation for the story franchise that had been living in misery. In his press conference, he said, I don't want to criticize anything or anyone that came before me. But coming from an organization that has won five cups in nine years to the Rangers, I could detect differences in the approach in expectations and just the way things were done. When you're winning championships, more is demanded of you and you demand more of yourself. There were glaring differences in the way some things were done. And basically, he came, when he came to New York, he was like, I'm going to win a Stanley Cup here in New York. And did he? We'll get there. Okay, the team In his first his season, he was named captain immediately and oh, yeah. led the Rangers to win the President's Trophy for best record in the regular season. Wow. They would they'd get bounced in the first round. Well, that's embarrassing. Uh, to the eventual champions in the Mario Lemieux-led Penguins. Nope, it's still embarrassing. Still it's embarrassing. rough. Uh, and then in their second year, they would miss the playoffs, which would be the, it's the first time Messier has ever not played in the playoffs in his career. The 92-93 year, 
First time they missed the playoffs. They were in last of the division and were like 19th out of 24 Oof. in the league. What happened? <laughs> got tired. Coaching differences. Uh, got sleepy. Before the 93-94 season, they would kick their coach to the curb and hire Mike Keenan to be their bench coach. The team and Messier would adjust perfectly to Keenan's more rigid coaching style. He was a very like uptight, like, we are going to win. We're going to be tough. We are setting a standard here. Yeah, like gun to your mother's head. You're... Yeah. I, I don't know wow. that one. <laughs> Coming in strong. What kind of standard is that? Maybe I had different coaches growing up. I think so. Was one of them your dad? No. <laughs> he has the highest standard. <laughs> yeah, but after the thing I just said, no. <laughs> I made it. I, I, it's an expression. People say is that. Is it? Yeah. It's an expression in Edmonton. Well, it's got to it's your head, but I feel like it's way more motivating. Depending on your relationship with your mother. You know what? I'm going. You know, I'm digressing. All right. It's a thing. People say it. Maybe. <laughs> they, they will, though. Start. <laughs> Starting right now. I'm Nathaniel Weston. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> At the end of the 84-game regular season, the league average was 82 points. The Rangers had 112. They would win their second President's Trophy in three years. On this team were a total of eight ex-Oiler players, including Messier and Adam Graves, who he made a comment about, like, why the Oilers let him leave. Sure. Uh, and a whole bunch of other players. They would cruise through the first two rounds of the playoffs until the Eastern Conference Finals <gasps> against their rivals, the New Jersey Devils. Bum, bum, um. The Devils would take a 3-2 lead after the Rangers blew uh, a 2-1 lead, dropping games 4-5. and five. Things did not look good, and the New York media was getting antsy about it. Until Messier would walk up in a press conference and just, a la Joe Namath before him, guarantee a victory in Game 6 and guarantee a Stanley Cup final. Do you believe in miracles? This guy does. He guarantees them. <laughs> You're going to see one. You get a miracle, and you get a miracle. You're welcome, New York. The Rangers would go down 2-1 late in the second period when Messier would begin to uphold his promise. He'd end up tying the game and then score two goals on empty nets in the uh, third period, uh, completing the hat trick to force a Game 7. ESPN commentator Gary Thorne stated after the hat trick, Do you believe it? Do you believe it? He said we'd win Game 6 and he just picked up the hat trick and started freaking out on air. Just going nuts. That seems like a fair reaction. Yeah. Seems appropriate. The Rangers would go on to win Game 7 in double overtime going to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Vancouver Canucks <gasps> where Messier would score the cup winning goal in Game 7 in Madison Square Garden. Wow. Yeah. With this victory, Messier would become the only player in NHL history to captain Two different franchises to a Stanley Cup victory. Several other key players that were on the team that helped win, like Hall of Fame goalie Mark, Mike Richter, Alexei Kovalev, and others, were still on the team because the Flyers outbid the Rangers in acquisitions of Eric Lindros. Ah, our good friend. If they hadn't outbid them, gotten outbid, a lot of those players would not have been on that team when Messier got there. No. Who knows? Without those pieces, would Messi even have come to the Rangers, let alone win with them? Once again, I don't, don't think know. it's what 
I don't think it's who they had. Or they potential had a real good team. It's that made Messier go. Who he did just want to go to. Always yeah. been. Yeah, you said they were had him won in ages. In 54 years. Yeah. And they haven't won since. But that's just New York. And that's that's what it costs. That's what this this one miracle cost. Well, miracles ain't cheap. Yeah. Messier would go on to become one of the greatest Rangers in team history. He'd play until the 0304 season, playing for Vancouver in the middle of it and then returning to end his career with the Rangers. He'd end with the most games played when you're including playoff games with over 1900 and well, with 1992 games. 15 All-Star mm-hmm. game appearances, four first star team appearances, 694 goals, 1193 assists and 1887 points. He'd be inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007. The Oilers, on the other hand, after trading away Messier, would only make the playoffs nine times in the last 30 years, with only one appearance in the finals in 2006, losing to the uh, Carolina Canes. Sather would leave the Oilers at the end of... I hate uh, how you just abbreviated it for... Hurricanes? Yeah, I know. I, like, I know people call them the Canes, but like... The Carolina Kings. You use so. their like. I, I use the first half their full name and then like an abbreviated. The Seattle Hawks. Yeah, that is basically what you did. <laughs> which is it's all gross. <laughs> Sather would leave the Oilers at the end of the ninety eight ninety nine season. Ironically, also joining the Rangers as their president, and he'd be their president for a long time too. President of New York and mayor. But that's the story of Mark Messier. Wow. The messier it gets, am I right? Nah. Wah, 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 French. There are rules. The rule is, your inclination to pronounce it, do it the opposite. <laughs> Ignore every consonant you see. Yeah, it's uh, all vowels. Now that we present one of the worst moves in NHL history, we will be presenting our own proposals for those GMs we believe need a little amateur help to make their professional decisions. Mm-hmm. Joshua? Yes. Please bring some hockey insight and expertise. It would be my honor. So my dear GM this week goes out to Buffalo Sabres GM Kevin Adams. Burn it down! Go Sabres! Kevin, my friend. With the expansion draft coming up quickly, every team is having to answer the question of who they want to protect. Spots are limited, so if you have a player that you know you want to trade this offseason, it's imperative that you ditch them before the protection list is finalized. Smart. It seems to me that this is the case with your star, Jack Eichel. Yeah. Yeah, he's not happy. It would be... I mean, how could you be happy playing for for Buffalo right now? No offense, guys. Hey, they got the first overall pick. They do. So time to rebuild and sell everything. (laughs) I don't know if it's a rebuild if you weren't successful. (sighs) Yes. Uh, It'll be hard for you to get Eichel's full value back because, you know, everybody knows you need to get rid of him. So it's it's kind of not a a seller's market right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Taylor Hall situation all over again. Yeah. But here's my dream scenario for you. Mm. I think the best trade partner for you guys would be the Anaheim Ducks. Go Ducks. Interesting. With young elite prospects like Zegris and Drisdale, mm-hmm. you might be able to uh, make the trade worthwhile. Uh, one of those guys, or Anaheim's third overall pick in this draft, would be pretty nice. Ooh. Yeah. Two top five picks. That would be, cool. be I like it. 
pretty whack-a-mole. And then you package those and get a Voltron robot. Yes. Interesting. Then you don't need a team. No, because you have Voltron. (laughs) And then when it comes into clutch time, you just make the giant robot, and he just dominates. I think he'd fall through the ice. That's my second dream scenario. What do you think is underneath the I know, it's like water. It's a whole swimming pool. It'd be amazing. No, the water, is, the water is the ice. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You're, just, you're telling me that underneath the ice, ice is more unfrozen yes. water, and then underneath you know, like the a lake. liquid water is gaseous. Yes. <laughs> it goes all the way to the Earth's core. <laughs> the polarities are just shifting. <laughs> This week, I'm addressing GM of the soon-to-be-created Seattle Kraken. I guess you are real now. You nope, do have nope. some players. They have soon to be conceived. The they haven't been born exist. yet. The they, soon to exist. They're do conceived. Exist. Yes. They're, the birthday the Seattle's up. pregnant right now. Yeah, Seattle's <laughs> pregnant with a Kraken. Uh, Ron Francis. Ron Francis is pregnant with yes. a Kraken. Ron Francis, nice to meet you. <laughs> The expansion draft is coming on July 21st, and unlike when the Vegas Knights came around and surprised the rest of the league with a bunch of side deals and trades that helped create a team that made it to the finals in their first year of existence. Those vagabonds. A bunch of GMs were taken off guard because the last expansion draft had been 17 years before that. And none of them were born yet. Mm. Yes, all the GMs GMs in the league were children. Ooh, kid GM. Interesting. I think this time it'll be a little harder to pull the wool over some teams' eyes when it comes to who you plan to draft. Some teams. There are still some <laughs> bad teams out there. Columbus, we're looking at you. But there are still plenty of opportunities to get either prospects or picks from teams in exchange for not drafting certain players. One position of importance I think you should consider is finding a leader for your team that they can get behind and really start you off on a good foot. I suggest you draft Seattle-born forward T.J. Oshie from the Washington Capitals. He's under contract till 2025 with at a reasonable $5.75 million a year. It'd be a great story for the Kraken to draft a hometown boy who could potentially be the first captain of the franchise. And if it hurts the Capitals, uh, all the better. Well, I wasn't going to say it, but... Of course yes. you were. Even when you're not talking about Pittsburgh, you're talking about Pittsburgh. We know. I you need the front of that. that. No, you don't. Just make uh, it up. This week, I am addressing the GM of... I knew this. Of... I want to say I'm addressing the St. Louis Blues. That I think that's right. right. But, you know, uh, if I had to guess. Until I find that sheet. I there you. it is. This is why we can't just throw our pieces of paper into the abyss when we're done with them. Yeah. This week, I'm addressing Doug Armstrong. Oh, there it Dougie. is. GM of the St. Louis Blues. Thank you Good. very much. <laughs> now <laughs> we don't need you anymore. It was literally one, one. line. <laughs> uh, Doug, this postseason was unfortunate. Getting swept at any stage of the playoffs is a boo-boo. But to get swept in the first round... Is even, a big no-no. <laughs> yeah. Even as the four seed and you're expected to lose... Sure. Uh, it's pretty embarrassing. It you never, gotta win one at home. Yeah, it never feels nice to get swept. No, can't be. So I'll be blunt, though. It's for your sake. Vladimir Tarasenko has outstayed his welcome. No! He's too expensive for the production you're getting out of him, and his presence is causing some issues. Rumor has it, however, that Matthew Kachuk wants out of Calgary, 
And what's more is he wants to come to St. Louis specifically. Hey. Familial. First time for everything. Connections. This presents a perfect opportunity for you to unload Tarasenko and get a young, productive replacement. You'd have to give up some extra pieces, because honestly, Kachuk is way better value than Tarasenko. But uh, whether that's draft capital or prospective minor league talent, I think it's worth it. Ultimately, you could swing your franchise's fortunes with the move. Yeah. And then maybe not Maintain- get slipped next time. Maintain yeah. a good playoff presence after winning like two years ago. Caveat, if I was Calgary, I obviously wouldn't do the deal. I would not trade a 23-year-old stud for a 29-year-old underproducing contract. I wouldn't call him a has. I would. (laughs) Call him overpaid. (laughs) Overrated. Over the hill. Honestly, getting Tarasenko, I would say Calgary, go ahead and do it, depending on what are the other pieces you're getting along with it. Because you could just... Do what I assume the Thunder are going to do with Kemba and Kemba. just uh, repackage him. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. yeah. Just bounce him off somewhere, get more picks. So there's always that's that. The goal. That's, that's the goal. Oklahoma City never wants to use them. <laughs> no, no, no. They just want to have. They just want to have them like Smaug. Smaug. Uh, and that's the pod. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to podcasts. We also have merchandise that you can purchase, Woo. wear, show off to your friends and family on holidays. Fourth of July is coming up. We have nothing themed for that, but, you know. But if you wanted it, I'm sure we could figure something out. Oh, we out. could make some yeah, special requests. DM us. We'll see what we can do. Uh, all things tasteful, of course. Uh, Just a little bit of nudity. Well, that's <laughs> it's not tasteful if there's not a little bit of nudity. Thank you. Exactly. In the words of GM Glenn Sather, quote, you can have all the talent in the world, but if the pumper's not there, it doesn't matter. I don't know what it means, the but heart? I tried to look it up. <laughs> the pumper? I have to imagine it's like if the what heart's not just, in it. What'd you just make me read? <laughs> a quote from this very man. I feel violated. Man, that could be a t-shirt, though. If the bumper's not, not there, it doesn't matter. Something. We'll play with it. We'll figure it out. Thanks for listening, and remember, this was Mismanaged. Uh, bye.